Amen. Well, this morning we continue our sermon series through the Gospel of Luke. And if you have a Bible with you, take that Bible and turn to Luke chapter 1. If you do not have a Bible, the passage of Scripture should be printed in your bulletin this morning. Luke chapter 1, verses 39 through 56. Quite a few verses we're going to read together this morning. If you were here with us last week, uh, we highlighted uh, the angel Gabriel's uh, annunciation and proclamation to the Virgin Mary that she was going to conceive uh, by the power of the Holy Spirit and that she would give birth to a child whose name is to be called Jesus. We learned that Jesus is God, that Jesus is holy, and that Jesus is King. He's the King of Kings. And so, Where we begin this morning in verse 39 is how Mary responds after the angel Gabriel leaves. So hear God's word this morning. Luke chapter 1 verse 39. In those days Mary arose and went with haste into the hill country to a town in Judah. And she entered the house of Zechariah and greeted Elizabeth. And when Elizabeth heard the greeting of Mary, the baby leaped in her womb. And Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit, and she exclaimed with a loud cry, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the fruit of your womb. And why is this granted to me that the mother of my Lord should come to me? For behold, when the sound of your greeting came to my ears, the baby in my womb leaped for joy. And blessed is she who believed that there would be a fulfillment of what was spoken to her from the Lord. What's followed is known as the Magnificat, which is Mary's response. And Many scholars believe this may have even taken place as a musical of sorts, that she sang this response to Elizabeth. And Mary said, My soul magnifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior, for he has looked on the humble estate of his servant. For behold, from now on all generations will call me blessed, for he who is mighty has done great things for me, and holy is his name. And his mercy is for those who fear him from generation to generation. He has shown strength with his arm. He has scattered the proud and the thoughts of their hearts. He has brought down the mighty from their thrones and exalted those of humble estate. He has filled the hungry with good things, and the rich he has sent empty away. He has helped his servant Israel in remembrance of his mercy. As he spoke to our fathers, to Abraham and to his offspring forever. And Mary remained with her about three months and returned to her home. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, help us to hear your word clearly this morning. And help us to respond appropriately appropriately to your word this morning. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 
We're a couple of misfits. We're a couple of misfits. What's the trouble with misfits? That's where we fit in. Why am I such a misfit? I am not such a nitwit. What's the trouble with misfits? That's where we fit in. That song appears in a claymation called Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer. Yes, and it originally aired in 1964. As you remember, that song was sung originally by Hermie the Elf, who was a misfit of sorts in Santa's workshop. And it was sung by Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer that was certainly a misfit in Santa's reindeer crew because of his big, red, shiny nose. And what happens in that original airing of Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer is Hermie and Rudolph eventually make their way to the island of misfit toys. And do you remember what the misfit consisted of that day? It consisted of a doll that was missing a nose. It consisted of a water pistol that would squirt jelly. It consisted of a train that had square wheels on its caboose. And the saddest part of all about the Island of Misfit Toys is this. That in the original airing of Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer, the toys on the Island of Misfit Toys were never rescued by Santa. Do you know why? They didn't have time to play that portion of the claymation because they needed to have time for the commercial break. Now, isn't that sad? It's sad because the original airing of Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer had misfit toys that were never rescued and saved And those that watched that claymation that day never got to see the power and the might of Santa connect with his mercy and his compassion. What does that claymation have to do with me and you this morning? Do you ever feel like a misfit? I do. I stand about three apples tall. And many times I walk into Publix grocery store and I see all these people that don't even need to struggle to reach the top shelf. And I feel like a misfit. You don't mean to make me feel like a misfit, but sometimes you make me feel like a misfit. When you start talking about where Jimmy John and Betty Sue used, used to live. And I don't even know Jimmy John and Betty Sue because they've gone on to be with the Lord. I don't even know where they're buried. I've got my hunch. It's Wildwood, but you talk about where, <laughs> where they used to live. And I, I have no idea about where they used to live. But sometimes I feel like a misfit. Do you ever feel like a misfit? Misfit sometimes when you walk into church. That's happened to me 
in the past. You walk into a church and you don't know people and the, everybody there knows everybody and everybody's happy to see one another and you're, you're, you're nervous and anxious to make your way into that new church. And so you, at least, at least you do what I do. I usually sit on the back row or I'll kind of make my way up to the balcony and I'll just try to sit there and kind of avoid people. I'm an introvert by nature. I am, truly. And I feel like a misfit. Do you ever feel like a misfit? The older we get, the more we feel like misfits because we realize there are things that are wrong with us and things that are quirks about us. That maybe people mocked us about those things when we were elementary school or middle school and they're still... There's still wounds that we, we, we carry with us today. Well, there's encouragement for you. Because the gospel teaches us that the church is really an island of misfit toys. <laughs> the church of Jesus Christ is really a place where all of the misfits gather together. And it's here that we get to experience something that is special. That unlike Santa Claus in the original airing of Rudolph the Resno's reindeer, our God is not a grouch. He doesn't look to kick misfit toys to the curb, but rather what we have in our great God are two attributes that are very significant. He is mighty and he is merciful. And why do we gather here at church on Christmas? Why do we gather here during the Christmas season? We gather here to rejoice and to celebrate that our God is both powerful enough to save us and caring enough to save us. And if God only has one of those attributes, then we're doomed. Not only today, but for all of eternity. But what we have in our passage this morning is a wonderful reminder of why we gather here to rejoice during the Christmas season. We gather here to rejoice because our God is both mighty and merciful. And think about how crucial those two attributes are to our salvation. Imagine if God was just mighty and not merciful. Then God would be like the grouchy Santa Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer. He would have power to be able to take those misfit toys and place them where they need to be. But if he's not merciful, then he's not, then he's not going to do it. But imagine if God was just merciful. He would, he would be caring about us and say, oh, I see, I see your predicament. I see your situation. But he would not have the power to do anything about it. And so what we see in this passage this morning are these two beautiful attributes of God revealed here. That God is both mighty and merciful. And we need him to be both in order for us to celebrate the gift of Christmas and be assured of our salvation. So that's the two reasons I want us to rejoice this morning. It's because God is merciful and God is mighty. Let's take a look first at how God is merciful to misfits. 
Mary responds in verse 46 and 47 when she says, My soul magnifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in my God, my Savior, for he has looked on the humble estate of his servant. For behold, from now on, all generations will call me blessed. What is Mary admitting? Mary is admitting God's mercy to her as a misfit in her day and age. I think we need to be reminded of this, of how old Mary was when she conceived. She was somewhere between the age of 12 and a half to 14 years of age, what most scholars say. She was barely into puberty when Gabriel comes to her and announces that she will give birth to the Messiah. Think about that. Think about where you were when you were 12 or 14. Think about students we have in this church that are somewhere in that age range. Can you imagine that amazing news being delivered to one of our students between the ages of 12 and 14? Humbling, right? And she was a poor girl, young at age, that was from Nazareth. Remember when... The disciples begin realizing who Jesus is, that he's the Messiah, and they discover from where he came. It's announced, can anything good come from Nazareth? You see Mary in her humble state, feeling like a misfit, has received the news that Elizabeth is pregnant. And so Mary runs haste to make her way to Elizabeth, who's anywhere from 80 to 100 miles away from Mary. Mary travels about a three to four day journey, and as soon as Mary gets into the house of Elizabeth, do you know what she discovers? That the woman that is old and had a broken womb for all of her life, probably past the age of menopause now, it appears to be six months pregnant, just as the angel announced to her. Do you see God's mercy even in that moment to Mary? That as Mary made her way into Elizabeth's house and sees Elizabeth six months pregnant, Mary's assured and affirmed that the word that Gabriel has spoken to her about herself is also true. And to add a cherry on top, John the Baptist leaps in his mother's womb, leaps rejoicing that the Messiah is in his midst. And so in verses 50 and 54, Mary in her song here and says, His mercy is for those who fear him from generation to generation. Verse 54, he has helped his servant Israel in remembrance of his mercy. The word mercy there in the Greek harkens back to the word 
in the Hebrew that's chesed. That means God's steadfast love that endures forever. In other words, although Mary is a young Jewish girl that probably couldn't read, she knew the scriptures well because she had been to the synagogue to worship and she memorized most of her scriptures in song. In fact, if you compare Mary's Magnificat with Hannah's song in 1 Samuel chapter 2, verses 1 through 10, you're going to see some amazing similarities. We don't have time to read that passage this morning, but even more so, if you had the time later this afternoon or this week to go down through your Bible and take a look at verses 46 through 56 in Luke chapter 1, take a look at the, the number and the amount of cross-references between this passage and other Old Testament passages of Scripture. What you're going to see is that Mary's words harken back to a number of Old Testament passages. Why is that significant? Because Mary in her song of response to God's mercy says, Look, God has kept his faith, his his faithfulness to his covenant promises. And he's kept them to me by allowing me to be the mother of of the Messiah. How many of you, I know we have many history buffs among us, so by a show of hands, how many of you are familiar with the name Henry Tandy? Anyone? Really? Did I finally stump all the historians among us? Note to self, December 6, 2020, 11.38 a.m. Okay. There's a legend that Henry Tandy at the end of World War I, as a British soldier, had a 29-year-old German soldier in his sights and could have killed him, but chose to show that 29-year-old soldier mercy. That 29-year-old soldier's name was Adolf Hitler. Years later, when Hitler was at the top of his reign, he would visit the the British prime minister, and there was a a famous picture hanging on the... And legend has it that Hitler looked at that picture and said, that gentleman right there, and he pointed to Henry Tandy in the picture and said, he had me in his sights near the end of the war... And he chose not to kill me. Well, historians (laughs) debate about whether or not that was true. That probably, since Henry Tandy was the most decorated British soldier coming out of World War I, uh, Adolf Hitler was aware of him. And so it was all a way for Adolf Hitler to try to exalt himself that he too had been a man who had been encountered by Henry Tandy, although he was trying to celebrate his mercy. I don't know if Hitler's encounter with Tandy was true or not, but here's what I do know to be true. That what Luke presents before this morning, before us this morning, is with absolute certainty. 
that God has demonstrated his mercy to us time and time again. First, in him even making a covenant promise to save us. Secondly, by reaffirming those covenant promises through other covenants throughout redemptive history. By sending his son to take our place. And by delaying his son's second coming, his second advent, that we might have time to repent and trust in him. So why do we gather here this morning? Why do we gather here during Christmas? To rejoice. Because our God is merciful. He's merciful to a misfit like me, and he's merciful to a misfit like you. So how do we respond in his mercy? With humility. Knowing that ultimately you don't belong here and neither do I. St. Augustine said famously that if you're going to learn the Christian way, there are three things you need to learn. The first is humility. The second is humility. And the third is humility. (laughs) What was St. Augustine trying to, to teach us? That our salvation is 100% dependent upon God's mercy. But not only do we need God to be merciful, we need God to be mighty. And God proves his might in this passage. Verse 49, Mary celebrates that God who is mighty has done great things for me. And holy is his name. Obviously, with Elizabeth's annunciation and affirmation about the fact that Mary carries in her womb the Messiah, the Son of God, what Mary has learned is that either immediately when Gabriel announced what was happening in her life, she conceived by the power of the Holy Ghost or sometime in that three to four day journey between Nazareth and Jerusalem, it occurred. And so Mary is celebrating the miraculous conception of the Lord Jesus within her womb because she knows that she's never known a man and she knows that God is demonstrating his might and power in her life by her being remaining a virgin and conceiving within her the Son of God, the Messiah, that has come to save his people from their sins. But she also celebrates his might in verse 51. She says, he is and that he is the proud in the thoughts of their hearts. It's interesting as you take a look throughout Scripture how God demonstrates his strength. One scholar referred back to the Exodus about how God demonstrates his strength in rescuing his people from slavery in Egypt. It's interesting that in Exodus chapter 8, God merely uses his finger to cause all of the dust of Egypt to turn into gnats. That's annoying. 
only takes God's finger to turn all the dust of Egypt into gnats. And it's merely with God's hand that the rest of the miracles are performed in the Exodus. But it's with God's strong arm in Exodus chapter 15 that God fully delivers his people from slavery in Egypt as his people come across the Red Sea that's been parted and as Pharaoh and all of his army is crashed and drowned by the waves of the Red Sea. Why is this verse significant? Because as Mary appeals to the fact that God is using his strong right arm again, it proves the fact that God is going to exercise his full power, might, and strength of what he's getting ready to do in Jesus. And what he's going to do is a reversal of fortunes for everyone in the world. In verse 51, those who are proud will be brought low. Those who are humble will be exalted. In verse 52, those who are mighty and have thrones will be brought down. We know this is true because the scriptures tell us that one day every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord, proving that God is mightier than those who are most mighty in the world today. That those who are rich, he will strip them and make them empty. Those who are hungry will be satisfied and those who are filled will be empty. What is being communicated here is the fact that our God is mighty to save those who need to be saved. And God is mighty enough to judge those who need to be judged. He has the power, the capability to do it. And he's proving it now in the coming of Jesus through Mary. After church, I hope you will stick around with us and go to the stewardship banquet and, and eat free on us today. Uh, when I accepted the call here to Bartow ARP Church, a friend of mine heard the news and called me. He asked me if it was true, if it was true, and he said to me, I'll never forget this, he said, that is a wonderful church down there in Florida, and it is filled full of wonderful people. I said, Was that, is that right? He said, yeah. I said, well, I believe it to be so, but can you give me an example of how you know it to be true? And he did. This man is a minister in our denomination. He's now retired. He's in his 70s. And he referred to somebody. Um, he called him old Mr. Stewart. Mr. Stewart Sr., this minister that's planted a couple churches in our denomination and used to serve here in Florida Presbytery told me a true story about, true story about Mr. Stewart Sr. He said, this minister said to me, he said, my wife and I just celebrated the birth of our first child. And he said, we were in the hospital room and Mr. Stewart Sr. walked in, knocked on the door, greeted me and my wife and asked if he could see our new baby. He said, Mr. Stewart Sr. held our, our, our baby girl in, her, in, her ar- in his arms and, and kissed her and loved on her and just gooed and God about her and then handed her back to my wife. And this minister shares with me and he says, I'll never forget what happened. As I walked Mr. Stewart Sr. to the, to the door of the, the hospital room, he said, in passing, 
Mr. Stewart Sr. said to him, by the way, son, have the hospital send me the bill. It's covered. And by the way, you and your wife and that baby girl of yours are going to need some good health insurance. So I want you to pick out a good plan and send me the bill. We've got it covered. True story. I asked my friend, I said, well, how did you respond? He said, well, after the shock wore off and I picked my jaw and my tongue off the floor, he said, we thanked him. He said, and then I went back into the hospital room and me and my wife praised God and thanked God. Why do I share that true story with you this morning? For a couple of reasons. First, you need to know how wonderful of a church family you have. We have a church family that is full of loving people that love you, that care for you, and want to help you carry the weight and load you carry in your life. We are pilgrims in this world, and we are just passing through. The second thing you need to know about our church family, that there are individuals in here that are extremely generous and extremely giving, and you need to know why they are that way. Because they have a relationship with a very generous, giving God. And so their generosity is a response to God's generosity. Their grace is a response to them understanding the grace of God. Because they understand the power of God. They understand that there's no greater check that could be written than the one that's already been written. And it was written when God the Father sent his son to this earth to represent us and eventually take our place on the cross. So friends, I want you to rejoice this morning over who God is. That he is merciful and he is mighty to save. And notice, unlike Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer, God didn't cut any corners to cut any cost when he sent us Jesus. So let us respond with humility and gratitude this day and forevermore. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we rejoice knowing that you're able to save us and you're willing to save us. We thank you this morning for the opportunity to take a brief stroll down the corridor of history and to see one magnificent monument that has been preserved in Scripture 
that reveals with certainty that you are both merciful and mighty to save. Lord, I pray for our students here at Bartow ARP Church that might be bullied throughout the week, that might be shunned throughout the week, that might feel like a misfit at school or even in their own neighborhood, maybe at times even in their own family. Lord Jesus, help their ears to hear and today that you love them and they belong to you. Father God, for those that may be in a station of life that we're not content, help us to know that you look upon us with your mercy And that in you, though we may feel poor, we're actually rich. And though we may feel unsatisfied and discontent, we can be fully satisfied in a relationship with you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. And all of God's people agreed, saying, Amen.